0: Thankful you chose to be with us this morning here at New Heights Baptist, and um, man, I tell you what, I woke up this morning. This may sound weird. I don't know. Maybe it's not weird. I, I don't know how it'll be perceived by you guys, but I woke up and I just said to myself, "Man, you've got it good. Brian. You do. You you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You know where you're going when you die. You've got it. You got a purpose in life. You got a family that loves you. You got a great church family. You got people that drive an hour and a half. Some of them." to come and listen to the Word of God. Man, you've got it good. I woke up happy about it. I just So I don't know where you're at this morning. I'm glad to be here. I hope you are as well. Stand with me, if you would, just for a little bit. Exodus chapter 14. Um, Exodus chapter 14. I I will say this from experience, and maybe this is my personality. One of the hard things for me to do is to be still. You you can tell right now, like I'm kind of doing this, right? Like, I just, being still is, is, is I think, sometimes challenging. And um, the Lord tells us throughout the scriptures to learn to be still. And the reason he does that is because it's not always natural, right? Just like when you get in an elevator, I referenced this earlier, you get in, a, in an elevator, and, and all of a sudden what's natural is pull your phone out so you don't have to make eye contact with anybody, right? You have to make an effort to not do that. And as as a believer, sometimes you have to make an effort to go, I just need to be still. Uh, Look at Exodus chapter 14 as God brings the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt and He's taking them into the promised land. It it doesn't mean that it would all be smooth sailing. There would be some challenges. Uh, Here's one of them. Look at verse number 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us. There's all this work to do around my house this week, and I'm like, why did we let Bella go to Florida this weekend? (laughs) Literally the same thought I had that Pharaoh did, you know? Uh, And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen and his army. And watch this, they overtook them, encamping by the sea beside that place right there. Who wants to say that one, right? Piheh <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, if someone can speak Hebrew, they would laugh right now. Before Baal-Ziphon... And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. Now, look. If you read this, and you're like, "They don't need to be afraid. It's all going to be okay," you've read the story. Imagine living it, and then you don't know how the story's going to turn out. All right. Th- this is a very natural reaction to where they're at, and, and and they were. The Bible says they were sore afraid. Now, now look what happens here. In, uh, in verse number 10, at the end of the verse, And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. But right after that, they, they don't just cry out to God. They start yelling at Moses, the preacher. You know, They said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore, hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying... Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Now, I'm sorry. I don't remember that conversation happening when he showed up. Them going, leave us alone. We want to be slaves. I don't remember that. I think they're kind of rewriting history a little bit because that's what we do when we get in trouble and we don't like the pressure that's put on us. But, but that's what they're saying nonetheless. Look what they end up with in verse 12. It had been better. You guys remember Patrick Henry? <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. These guys are like, nope, just let us die. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look what it says here, what they say here in verse number 12. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Never forget where God brought you from, Christian. Amen. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still. I can, I can imagine. He goes, fear ye not. And the people are out there rolling their eyes. <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I can just see it in my head. He gets up, you know, and they get their Bibles out. They're waiting for a message. He goes, fear not. And they're like, do you not see what's behind us? They're coming after us right now, rolling the eyes all day long. Fear ye not. Now watch it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Why? The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, Stand Still and Let God Move. Stand still and let God move. You know what I believe? I believe you have a choice today. Either stand still and let God move, or you do the moving and God stands still. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. and Lord, we ask that you would fill this place we know that there are many that are under the weather and many traveling, and we miss them, but God, I pray that you would fill this place. What we really need right now is you, and Lord, we need you to fill this place, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to remove the distractions, Lord, the physical ones, the emotional ones, the mental ones. God, help us to, to concentrate on your word. Help us to be still this morning, and God, I pray for those that couldn't be here physically and are watching online. Lord, I, I know their, their heart desires to be with us. God, would you feed them as well? Lord, I pray that you would teach us today, Lord, to to learn something that is hard for us to do at times or just to stand still and to let you move. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Can Can I show you something that's awkward? You ready? This is super awkward. Silence can be awkward. Being still can be awkward. And, and let me just say this, and, 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 and listen, I, I think at some point everyone has probably dealt with anxiety at some point in their life. So what I'm about to say is not to throw stones at anybody, but let me just say we live in a very anxi- anxious-ridden society. We live in a society that is anxious about the future, and, and why not? I mean, we're pumping our minds and hearts full of 24-7 news that comes through, you know, the, the typical news channel, the radio, the, the Instagram feed, and you're constantly like this, and you're kind of tense, and you're constantly, you're always moving to the next thing, and always worried about the next thing, and once you're not worried about COVID, now you're worried about the economy. And, not, and once the economy's over, you'll be worried about war. And then, man, the, the trifecta, disease, war, and the economy all at once. I mean, that's just the society in which you live. And if you're not careful, man, you're going to be dealing. You will allow anxiety to keep you moving all the time. Listen, I, I'll tell you what. I've watched uh, family members, and we sit at the table, not my immediate family, but my extended family, and I can see this going on on the table the whole time. No, I'm not not picking on them. I'm really not. Now, you may go, that's just too much coffee. You can't tell that to people that come from coffee farms in Puerto Rico, man. (laughs) There's no such thing as too much coffee. Amen. But but all joking aside, I mean, th- there's anxiety there. There's, there's this kind of sense of what's coming and, and what are we going to have to talk about? And, and and listen, even this morning, there were some of you, and I'm not picking on you by saying this, I'm trying to help you to understand this is a real issue in life. Th- there were some of you that had anxiety just to make it to church. Listen, I read this. Anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S. affecting 40 million adults. Uh, when it comes to to, 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 to minors and And adolescents, 32% of adolescents claim to have an anxiety disorder of some kind. I'm not saying this to throw stones. I'm telling you, we live in an anxious-ridden society that does not know how to be still. Which is why oftentimes, I'll, I'll I'll encourage you parents to go, look... Teach your child to be still. It will help them in so many areas of life. They get a job someday, and the boss tells them, I need this done. And every five minutes, come, there goes a butterfly. Oh, my phone is buzzing. Oh, oh. And they, just, they can't keep a job because they can't just stay focused. You know why? They didn't learn to be still. And the Bible tells us to stand still. Uh, Paul writes to us, be careful for nothing. You know what that word careful means? It means full of care. That means filled with anxiety. Be careful for nothing. You say, well, Pastor, that's because you have no problems in your life. (laughs) No, I just got got everybody else's problems. I don't just got mine. I'll tell you what, I have learned to do this, God. I can't control that, so I'm going to put that in your hands. When you try to control everything, that is what causes anxiety in your life. And I've learned this. When you try to manipulate people and control people, really what's going on and you don't realize because control is a deceiving thing. It makes you think you're in control, but really it's you that's being overwhelmed by anxiety and you're actually losing control. You're not gaining it. Is this making any sense at all? And so the Israelites are looking behind them and they see the army that's back there and they're looking at Moses and all of a sudden this anxiety swells up and what do they do? They cry out to God and they say, this is your fault. Let's just go back. Is that not what a lot of Christians do today? When the pressure comes on and pressure's going to come and sometimes it comes because you're actually growing in the Lord. Listen, let me remind you, the symbol of our faith is not a baby cradle. The symbol of our faith is a cross. All right, you know what that is? That symbol reminds us of the pressure of sin that was placed on one man, being Jesus Christ. All of your sins and all of mine placed on all the sins of mankind for all of history placed on one man. You talk about pressure, a place for anxiety, sweat drops, as it were, of blood. Boy, that's a good reason to have some anxiety right there. But you know what what Jesus Christ then turns to his disciples to say? If you want to follow me, take up your cross. And you know what that means? You're going to have pressure. There are going to be times in your life where you look behind you and go, man, I can't believe what's coming at me from that direction. I am uncertain about that direction. And I just want to quit. And I just want to go back. And that's where they're at. You know what Moses had to do? He had to tell them, hey, guys, calm down. Stand still. Stand still because you need to watch God do something. Yeah. Most of your life, you've been watching you do stuff. And you watch others do stuff on social media. Am I right about that? You know, <laughs> sometimes really dumb things. You know, I dare you to do this, bro. You know, someone jumps off a thing and then, oh, all of a sudden. I mean, you watch people do stuff, you do stuff. But, but, but listen, you watching God do stuff, we don't see enough of that. You know what God requires for us in order to do that? He requires for us to learn to stand still. You know what it says about Pharaoh? You know what it says about Nebuchadnezzar? They received this vision. They had these dreams. And because they could not interpret the dreams, they did not understand what it was that the Lord was trying to show them. The Bible says their spirit was troubled And they didn't know what to do. Do you know what it required? It required them learning to be still and asking direction in order to get revelation that they needed. And let me just say this right now. You as a believer, I believe most of you out there are saved. And when I say saved, I mean this. If your head hits your pillow at night, you've got no reservation that if your soul goes out into eternity, you are going to heaven when you die. Thank God for that. That's what I mean by saved. You are a born again child of God. If you're not so sure that you're saved, we would love for you to get saved today. You you learn just to stand still for a couple minutes this morning and learn the salvation of the Lord. But if you're saved this morning, let me say this. God did not save you so that you could be filled with anxiety, so that you could be worried about what's ahead and worried about what's coming at you. He wants you to be a light in this world, and you can't do that if you're filled with anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have reasons to be worried or reasons to be fearful, but you have to learn to say, God, if I cannot control that thing, then I'm going to learn to put it in your hands. And I'm going to stand still because I've been doing a lot of moving and a lot of talking, and Lord, it's just not the same as watching you work. Can I say this? This is kind of I know it's a bold statement, maybe a controversial one, but do you know who wants control? You're going to say, God, mm, well, kind of, but no. You know what God wants? God wants you, listen very carefully, it's different. God wants you to follow his leadership. The devil wants to control you. When you find that you're trying to control the situation and control people, I'm not talking about having rule over your own spirit. That's a good thing. But when you're trying to control others and manipulate the outcomes and and, and look at what's coming at me, and I'm not sure about what's ahead, so i got to figure this out. i got to make it happen like Jacob did in the Bible, how Jacob got the best of the cattle and Jacob stole, you know, what the birthright, the blessing, and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to be Jacob in your life. You want to look at what's going on in your life and go, that's God doing that. Not that's me doing that. You know what's a blessing? I, honestly, it is a blessing to see that 12 years from when we started our church in our living room, to see the people that have gotten saved, and there is no mistake in my, in my mind. It's not me going, oh boy, Adrian, you sure did a good job. Not for a second. You know, I look back and I go, God did this. You know how I know? Because I remember when no one was getting saved. And I remember getting up and preaching to my family. And I remember preaching to uh, 20 people and Five of them get offended and leave. That's 25% of my church, you know, and I remember those things. And you know what that was? That was all me. That was what I could produce. You know what I can see now? I can see God. Can I say this? God wants to fight some battles for you. You need to learn to understand you're not in control of the elements. Look, if you would, at Mark chapter 4. You're not in control. That's a hard thing to, to come to grips with you go, well, yeah, I know God's in control. No, you say that, but then you don't live that way. Because when things aren't going the way that you expect them to, you go, well, I'll just go back. (laughs) Now, I want to be clear about this. When I say stand still, it doesn't mean inaction. It doesn't mean that nothing happens. It's stop going in the wrong direction. That's what stand still means. Because the Israelites, in their mind, before their feet were turned, their hearts were already saying, this is too hard. I don't. Listen, aren't you glad that God doesn't show you everything that's going to happen in the Christian life the moment you get saved? I mean, if God showed you everything, Miss Cindy, about the mission field and about ministry and, and, and the people at Gideon Baptist Church and and all the trouble the teenagers would cause when you were there and all the pranks that we would play on each, all that stuff, and then all that you went through on the mission field, and all that you've, that has transpired in your life, I don't think that you would be able to say, I'm ready to embark on this journey. It would be too much for all of us to know that at one time. So you know what God does? He says, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you to a better place. I want something better for you. But there are going to be some moments in your life where you're going to be pressured, and you're going to be worried, and you're going to be thinking to yourself, maybe I should just go And in that moment, you know what you need to learn to do? Stand still. You know one of the worst things to do is make decisions. When you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Seriously, that sounds... I'm not trying to be funny. you You will make the worst decisions of your life when you are an emotional basket case. When you are fretting about what's coming at you and you don't know what's lying ahead, you'll make decisions that you will regret because they are in the flesh... They're not God leading you. Mark chapter four. See what's going on in Mark chapter four. Ah, uh, just being out at sea, just a nice little stroll out on the water, you know, little 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 jet ski, little water skiing, you know, just a good time out with the Lord, and uh, then a storm comes. Look at verse number thirty-five. In the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, "Let us pass over unto the other side." You know what God wants to take you? He wants to take you to the other side. He says, look, where you've been is not where I want you to stay. You are coming out of Egypt. You'll never become my child as you ought to until you identify with my new land. You cannot stay in Egypt and and be what I've called you to be. So let's get you out of there. Yeah, but now it's hard. We should just go back. Yeah, but you don't see what I see. I see everything that's ahead. I see the millions of the seed of Israel that will be blessed in their land. Don't turn back now because then they'll miss out on the blessing. You see, oftentimes we don't think about that. We think about ourselves in the moment. We don't realize there's a whole group of people right behind us. The Bible says about the disciples, the Lord told them, let's pass over on the other side. You know what that tells me? The Lord wasn't satisfied with where they were. He wanted them to go somewhere else. And the Lord wants you to go somewhere else. So let me ask you this. If the Lord tells you to go somewhere, and then you go, we call that obedience. Now, let's say God tells you to go do something, and then you do it, and then a storm comes. Once you right away automatically go, did he not know that I was going to be rolling through this exact place? It'd be like me saying, hey, who wants to go to Central Florida as Hurricane Ian is moving its way through the state? Anybody want to go to Central Florida right now? Who wants, Let's go to Disney World. I'll pay for it. Let's go. You're probably not interested in going this week, right? Because the storm's heading their way. Listen, the disciples see this storm and they're thinking to themselves, Lord, you called us there. If you called me here, why is there a storm? Can I say this? There's some things you don't learn without going through them you just don't know. You can't speak about the goodness of God. There's some some times in your life as a Christian, I'm telling you, that you will not be able to speak about the mercy and the grace of God without being flat on your face. The power of God. You you won't know. Listen, I can tell you all about what it's like to lead someone to Christ. I can tell you all about it. But until you lead someone to Christ yourself, you don't know what it feels like. And it's awesome. (laughs) And it's the greatest feeling in the world. But until you experience it, I could describe it. I could sp- and I should. But until you experience it, it, you don't know how to describe it to somebody else. And there's many things in a Christian life where you, you go, Lord, I just wish I could learn it without going through it. God, could you just take me from Egypt and bring me up in your little you know, like, outer space portal thing and drop me down over there in the promised land? the Lord's like, no, because you wouldn't learn anything that way. Lord, can you just bring us to the other side miraculously, like, you know, walk on the water or something? No, but, yeah, but we're not going to do that. We're going to have you go through a storm. Look at verse 36. When they had sent away the wall, to, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder, the he is Jesus, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, must have been in my pillow right and they wake him and say to him master carest thou not that we perish it's not lord we want to see you do something don't you care about me that's how they woke him up how many times have you prayed i prayed that way to lord i, I don't always go to god listen i like to tell you that i go to the lord i'm like lord Lord, who hath created all things and hath done marvelous works in the heavens, Uh, hallowed be thy name. O God, the creator of heaven and earth, Uh, all things are subjected to thee. Lord, thou dost know my heart. I don't pray. Sometimes I just go to God and go, God, don't you see what's going on? You know what they did? They woke him up and said, Lord, don't you you care? The Bible says in verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, watch it, peace be what? And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You know what's amazing? The Lord can tell the elements to be still and right away. And he can tell you to be still, and you're like, why? <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm fine, Lord, I'm fine. <laughs> there, there's something in us that says, I, I've got this. And you've got to learn to let go of that. Children of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. If you go back to Exodus 12, we don't have to go back there. You can turn back to Exodus 14 right now. But as you turn back there in Exodus chapter 12, it, it says that it was literally 430 years to the day, to the time that they came into Egypt, to the day that they left, it was 430 years. They had been there a long time. They had developed habits over that time. They had developed identities over that time. And let me tell you, those things were not just going to change overnight because they had put the blood of a lamb over the doorposts of their house. That allowed the angel of death to pass over them and that would allow them to be safe, but it would not change everything about the customs and the habits and the way of thinking that they had formed over hundreds of years. Guys, listen, our country is not even 300 years old yet. You understand? Look how much has changed in 200 plus years. Imagine being in Egypt for 430 years. You would develop a lifestyle and a way of thinking about things that would not change overnight just because some guy with a stick shows up and says, follow me. God's talking. It would take some time. But I want to remind you that when the lord calls them out in chapter 12 you don't have to look there but in verse 51 he says he called them out by their armies by their armies it's a nation they don't they've never been trained for war they're not ready for war they're, they're just they're just people they're not soldiers there's no formal training matter of fact their last occupation if you saw the resume for the children of israel as they're leaving egypt it's like what were you i was a slave and what were you? Oh, I was a slave. This is not a group of people that you say, hey, this is a great army right here. You know what God calls them? He says, their are armies. God says, look, I see something in you that you don't see. I, and you know what? You're not going to learn who I want you to be until you go through some things. Until you learn to disassociate from where you came from? till you learn to quit saying the stuff that you were saying before every time you found this situation in your life, till you learn to say, hey, these are no longer the people that I identify first and foremost with, not because I think I'm better than them, but because we don't share the same values anymore. I'm not like them anymore. God's done something in my life. He's changed me from the inside out. But listen, that has to happen in your life, and it doesn't happen just because you get saved. That's step number one. But then there's a growth process that God places in your life. Listen, these kids go to camp, and then they they, they make decisions for the Lord, and there are some tough ones that they make. And then they go back to school, and the kids ridicule them when they take their Bible. Uh, When's uh, take your Bible to school day? October sixth. Take your Bible. You ought to do it every day. But but you know what you ought to do on that day? Find the biggest, fattest one you can find. And carry it like this through the class, through the through the hallway, you know. They'll call you a Bible thumper. That's a that's a better word than some other things that they could call you, right? But what I'm getting at is this: you you they go to camp and they get excited for God, and they go back to school, and then everything in their life is there to tell them, no, you identify with us, no, you need to look like us, no, you need to conform to us, and the pressure is on. You better pray for them. And you know what? As adults, we're no different. Come to church. You get right with God, you get around your family, it's like, well, let me put my guard down. You get around your family or your coworkers, and it's like, well, maybe I'm just a little too far. Maybe I went too far on Sunday. Maybe I can just be like I was before. God does not want you to be like you were before. He wants something better for you. you know what that means? That means you have to learn to disassociate with some things. And you won't do that until you realize who is your enemy and who is your friend. You know what God did by bringing them out in Egypt, out of Egypt? And then putting them in the wilderness. And then going, like, imagine if God had, listen, God, if God had told the entire nation, hey, I'm going to bring you out. And, like, pretty much like at the beginning of your journey and this, you know, 40 plus year, 80 year journey, at the beginning of this whole thing, um, here's what's going to happen um, Pharaoh's going to come after you. He's going to try to kill all of you. I don't think they would have left. Right? right I, I don't know that I would have. I would have been like, hey, guys, how don't you go take some pictures, text me? Post it online. I'll see what it looks like. I mean, I mean that but but here they are and they're stuck. You ever feel stuck as a Christian? I can't go back there, but I don't know that I want to go there. You hear know what the Lord's saying? Hey, I want you to move forward. But for now, just watch. I'm gonna do something that's never been done before. Look if you would at verse 13. Stand still, let me say this, number one, and watch God fight. Moses said unto the people, fear you not, stand still. Look at verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you. Can I say this? Uh, Clearly in the scriptures, there's a time to fight, but then there's also a time to step back and let the Lord do this. By the way, standing still does not mean inaction. It doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Look at verse 15. Look what God says at the end of verse 15. It's very clear that stand still is more about the placement of your heart than it is just your feet. It is about you saying, okay, I'm going to move forward, but instead of looking back at where I came from and what they're doing, I'm going to be moving forward, and as I look around me, I'm going to be watching for what God does, not what I can do to control, and not what my enemies are doing to hurt me. He says, look, I want you to move forward. Standing still doesn't mean inaction. Can I say this? Secondly, standing still allows you to see things you normally wouldn't. Look at verses 19 and 20. I mean, that would be pretty neat to say, hey, there's this pillar of a cloud, all right? And, and then it turns into a pillar of fire at nighttime. Uh, verse number 20, it was a cloud and darkness to the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to the Israelites. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to watch. You don't get to see that if you go back. You don't get to experience that if you go back. I could go through the room right now and say, aren't you glad for the things you've experienced since you've gotten saved? I, I, I could go through and say, Brother Stephen, isn't it awesome to see what God's done and bring you from South Africa and place you in this church? And, and isn't it awesome to see that man? Uh, t- Ten plus years ago, you guys were on the brink of separation and and there were issues there. And man, God brought them this church and put there. I'm not saying I'm to embarrass him. He has no problem with what I'm doing. This is my deacon. This is my deacon right here. All right, we're good. <laughs> All right, and you know what he would say? He would say, praise God for what he's done and where God's brought me from and all that he's done since I started this journey. You know what that is? That's what every single one of us should be able to say. You can't say it if you keep turning back. Yeah, exactly right. Amen. Stand still. Why? A lot of you see things that you wouldn't normally see. Look at verse 22. How about walking through a pillar of water on both sides? That's kind of unique, would you not say? I mean, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. Now, look at verses 26 and 27. To watch the mightiest army in the world that you knew of at that time, to watch them implode and to watch that water crash down and to look back at the man that was talking to you about what God was going to do and then to see the smile on his face and then to look up and say, God, thank you for what you did. You wouldn't experience any of that if you didn't walk. Yeah. Yeah. Can I remind you that Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane has a sword. You know what he does? He cuts off a a, a man's ear. I mean, just right off. That's nasty. It's pretty gnarly, you know? To imagine a guy, "Ah!" I mean, mean, that's, he's a fisherman. He's not exactly a trained soldier, okay? So he missed it. Maybe he's trying to get his, I don't know, but he got an ear. And, and, And the Bible tells us that this man was a servant of the high priest. He wasn't even someone that was causing the trouble. He was a servant of the high. In other words, it's his job to go where his boss tells him. So he's there, and he's not doing anything wrong, and Peter just goes whack. Let me say it like this. When you're under pressure, if you're not careful, you will hurt people when you need to put your sword away because you think it's your job to fight. And there are some fights that are better for you to stand back and go, Lord, I've got a sword, but I'd rather see you do this the children of israel are in a place where they can't do much and god has them there for a reason to show them his power but there are going to be times in your life listen where god does yes he does want you to fight the bible says he maketh my feet like hinds feet he teacheth my fingers to war he teaches my hands to war there's nothing wrong with fighting but you need to know when it's time to do that and when it's time to put the sword away and let me tell you there are positions in your life where you know god has you in a place where he has you there to teach you you're not in control and when you start pulling that sword out you're going to hurt people. You know what God does? God fights battles a whole lot better than we do. One time he throws hailstones down from heaven. The Bible says, There were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. (laughs) In other words, God can do a better job of this than you can. But you have to trust him. Stand still to watch him fight. Secondly, look at Numbers chapter number 9 stand still to find God's direction. Do you have all the answers in life? I don't. You know, there are going to be things in your life that happen, you're like, well, this has never happened before. (laughs) I've I've experienced some of those recently. I'm like, well, that's a first. (laughs) And you know what I've had to learn to do? Rather than just shooting my mouth off, I've had to learn to say, I don't know. Let me pray about that. You, You know what you ought to learn to do as a Christian? Learn to slow down. When you aren't sure of the next step, and you're experiencing something you never experienced before, look at Numbers chapter 9. God gives Moses the instructions for holding the Passover, and then Moses gives those instructions to the people of Israel. Look at verse 6. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. In other words, okay, the, 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 here's the, it's time for the feast. We can't be a part of it because we had to bury somebody. Was it sinful to bury a man? No. Can I say this? Some things in your life, they're not about sin. It's just a matter of life happens. Things happen. And and you're not always where you want to be. You're not always in the position you want to be in. Sometimes you're just defiled by the things that go on in this world. These people had not committed a sin. But here they are, and they cannot participate in the Passover because they had had to take care of a dead body. So now they're going, what do we do? Look what Moses says here. In verse number 8, Moses said unto them. What do he say? Stand still, still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Listen, when you don't have the directions, sometimes it's not a good idea to fake it. You can get lost pretty bad. Uh, My first, me and my wife have been married for, I, I always I always round up, and that gets me into trouble sometimes, um, so we just finished, tw- I'm just going to say 23, all right, it'll be 23 next July, can I say 23, is that okay, 23, anybody, nobody, okay, all right, 22 and so many months, is that better, all right, a long time, longer than some of you have been alive, right, so we've married a, a couple decades now, and I remember the first argument we ever had, you know what it was, it was on our honeymoon, we were driving from the wedding, all right, and boy, I mean, listen, we were just ready to get away and leave everybody and, you know, just be us. And listen, I had waited my whole life, you know, not to touch her. and Now I can touch her and she's mine. I, sorry, guys, just how it is. When you do it the right way, you're like, I, you are now mine, okay? And so, and so there we are, we're driving and we're all excited, lovey-dovey, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, hey, honey, where are we going? I'm like, oh, uh, this, this place. She's like, well, I think it's that way. I'm like, no, 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 I'm sure it's this way. This is before GPS, all right? Yeah, yeah. Before you pulling out your phone and decide. Anybody remember MapQuest? Remember the glories of MapQuest? <laughs> Printing out pages and going, man, this is so cool. I've got instructions from the internet on paper, right? <laughs> and, so, and so we're driving, and, and she's like, I don't think you're going the right way. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got this. And in about an hour, to, honey, I think you should pull over. Look, I don't need any help. I was absolutely 100% lost. You know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to pull over and ask for directions. There are some things in your life you're going to experience. You're going to have to learn to pull over and stop and stand still because that constant flurry of activity and going and going and going and going and going. going, and, and, and constantly going from one thing to the next, when the Lord is trying to get you to slow down and understand, you're going to have to get the answer from Him. The Bible says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy what? Thy, thy paths. Right, So the Lord wants to get your attention, and sometimes it comes through situations that you've never faced before. And now that you're going, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. Stand still. Stand still and hear the word of the Lord. You know what standing still does for you? It reminds you that you don't have the answers to begin with. It's kind of humbling. You know what's humbling? Pulling over and asking for directions. Now, maybe you ladies don't think so. It's humbling for us guys, okay? It allows you to drown out the noise. Can I be honest? I think I think we have too much going on. There's too much noise. Everywhere you go, you got, man, you got TikTok, and you got Instagram, and you got this, and you got that, and you got this activity, and that activity, and you got everyone talking, you got the news, and some of you spend like four hours a day on YouTube, God help you, you know, and... Some new conspiracy theory that was found out, and you got all this stuff going on in your head, and then you're wondering why you can't hear from the Lord. That's right. That's right. You need some silence. But you know what I know about silence? It can be awkward. But you need to learn to stand still. You, you know what? You know what happened back in Exodus. You know Moses. God says, "My presence shall go with you." And then Moses said this. If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, Lord, if you don't go, I don't want to go. Right? Right? So then you know what the Lord does in Numbers chapter 9? As as these men are waiting for the answer, and God does give them an answer, God goes, okay, gentlemen, since you couldn't do it on the first month on the 14th day, we'll do it on the second month on the 14th day. And you go, well, that wasn't that deep. Yeah, but they needed God to tell them that. They needed God to direct that, instead of them just coming up with it on their own. But you know what happens later on in Numbers chapter 9? Let me show you some. Look at verse number 17. I, I think this is interesting because it shows you the, the awesome, amazing power of God. It also shows you that following the Lord is kind of inconvenient at times. Uh, look at verse number uh, uh, 15, rather. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud, that's the presence of God, covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always, the cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. You may go, oh man, I wish I lived back then. Are you sure? (laughs) You're out there with like several hundred thousand people, and it's like, well, it's it's midnight. What are you doing? Uh, God's moving it's not very convenient, Lord. My kids are asleep. Yeah, but it's what you're supposed to do. I mean, look at verse 22. Whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journey not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. Imagine, let's, let's say we're going on a trip. And we're like, all right, guys, we're just going to wait for God. Okay, it's 1130 at night. Let's go. And then, like, you know, a week goes by, Pastor, how come we're not leaving? The cloud is still. We haven't, we're not moving till the cloud moves. After a while, you get tired of that. But do you know what that was there to show them? You don't move without me leading. Can I say this, Christian? You don't need to move without him leading. Sometimes you need to be still to get direction from the Lord. You know what I'm saying in so many words? Slow it down. Slow it down. You know the story of Elijah getting alone with God, and he hears a still, small voice. You can't hear it when you're constantly moving. Recently, I was calling for my boys, and I couldn't find him. Eventually, I found him. And I was like, where were you? What do you mean, Dad? I was screaming at the top of my lungs. We didn't hear you. <laughs> right? And it wasn't because they were doing anything evil or wicked. They were just, listen to me, out of range. And sometimes you get out of range. And stuff is happening in your life and you've never been there before. And you need to learn to do is just go, okay, I need to stop. Stop because God's trying to get my attention. You know what's going to happen next? Week? We're going to be here Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night at 6.30. You go, man, that's a whole lot of church. It will never offset all the world you get. Yeah. But you know what the purpose of all of that is? Is to be still so we can get some direction from the Lord. Look, whether it's about what God wants for our building, whether it's about the individual issues of your life, whether it's about what God wants us to take on as a church, I know this much, we can't figure it out on our own. We need to learn to be still and stand still and hear from the Lord. Stand still. Look at Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. see what's going on well the generation of israel has passed that we were looking at moments ago a new generation has risen and they're following no longer moses because moses is dead and no longer on the scene but god's not dead you see whether the man changes or not that doesn't that's not the most important thing the most important thing is are you still following the lord If tomorrow I kick the bucket and God brings another pastor here to to serve in this church, your religion shouldn't die. Your faith in God shouldn't die. You should continue to march on for Jesus Christ because it wasn't just about the man. It was about the God that the men were following. And so now it's Joshua's turn to lead Israel. And God says, okay, I want you to cross this little body of water and I I want you to do something for me. I, I want you to stand still once you get into the water. Now, that's not, I don't know about you, but if the Lord's like, hey, I want you to step in the water and just stand there, I'd be like, Lord, how about this? How about no? (laughs) How about if it's going to sweep me away, and it's a rushing water, which is what you read in Joshua 3. Look, if you would, at verse number 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall, what? Stand still in Jordan. Now, now you, know what, you know what you learn when you read this passage? You, when you read this passage, you learn that it was harvest time, and the waters, look at verse 15, at the end of the verse, the waters would overflow the banks at that time of year. This is literally the worst time to cross this river. And Lord, this is... Why don't you bring us here during the dry season? Why are you doing this now? Because I want you to see what I can do, just like I did with your fight back in Exodus, and just like I did with the direction in the book of Numbers. I want you to learn to stand still. Why? Because, listen to me, there are other people following in your footsteps, whether you realize it or not. You know who the priests were? They were the leaders. They were bearing the Ark of the Covenant. You know what it says about those priests? You learn this later in the chapter. They didn't move until everybody else had crossed over. Here's what happens. They get in the water as their foot touches that water and they just stand still and they rest. The water just parts. You, I don't believe that. Okay, well, then I guess throw the Bible out. But if you're a Bible believer, there it is. And the water parts and they stand on dry ground. You say, what is that? That is God saying the same God that could part the Red Sea. He's still just as powerful today, whether it's the Red Sea or the Jordan River doesn't matter. And you might face a Red Sea situation or might face a Jordan River situation, but it's still the same none, same God nonetheless. And those priests were the ones that would bear that ark and carry that ark. And as they were carrying that ark, they were paving the way for those behind them. And as soon as they stepped in, it gave courage to everyone else that was watching that they could go through as well. But here's what I want you to understand. Someone had to be the first one to step in. I've noticed this on a Wednesday night. Who's got a testimony? You know, and you know, usually someone over here is like, and they're ready to go, and you can, you know, kind of like, uh, and then once it gets going, it's like, okay, we can do this, and an hour later, I'm like, guys, we need to start our Bible study. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know why that is? Because oftentimes, someone's got to be the first one in. Now, look, you may, you may go, I'm not, I'm a nobody. If you're going to school, people are watching your example. If you're a parent, you've got children that are following your example. If you're an older person that's been saved for a long period of time and you're in this church, someone is following your example. There's gonna be a day in your life where God's saying, I want you to pave the way for others. And when you get there, stand still. They need to see how you react to life. Say, why? You're supposed to be an example. You know what it says to Timothy? Well, Paul says to Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. You know you're supposed to be an example. You may not realize it, but you know what Paul says about the Christian life? Once you're saved, the Bible says you're like an open epistle, a, a letter right? A a letter that was written with a purpose, an open epistle known and read of all men. People are watching your life. You are paving the way. Look, you may not realize it. There may be some lost people that are watching how you're going to deal with conflict when you get to a place that looks kind of scary and you step in and you don't run for your life. You just stand still. And that might be the thing that pushes them over the edge to go, I want to get saved. (laughs) And listen, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's a young person that's just watching how you deal with conflict as an adult, and it makes them go, you know what? If that's how they deal with it, and God's working through their life, God can do it for me too. I want in on that. Listen, you don't want to be the reason that another Christian goes, if that's how they deal with it, I guess God's not all that powerful. priests were the first one in and the last one out. Look, if you would, at Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 10, just so you understand that I'm saying this, not because it makes for a great sermon, but because it's true. Look at Joshua 4 and verse 10. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests in the presence of the people. In other words, those priests stood there until everybody else went through. You know, sometimes God has you in a situation because people are watching and they need to know how you're going to deal with it. I don't mean to pick on them, but uh, Ho-Holah's had their car stolen and I think the, the next morning they were at church. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. Uh, now, now, now you may go, that's no big deal. Well, let's see your car get stolen and say how you respond to that. Yeah. All right? I know others have had their cars broken into over the weekend and they come to church. We, we need to pray for Colorado now that I think about it. Amen? <laughs> I mean, but, but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that, that is a special thing. People watch that. That matters. How are you dealing with conflict? Are you learning to stand still? The Bible says be still and know That I am God. Let me show you some. Look at Acts chapter 8, and we'll be done. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. There's a story about a man named Philip. And he's talking to someone about Jesus. And I want you to look at verse 36. Now, look, if you're not saved, I spent most of this message talking to Christians about learning to be still, which can be hard. Paul, uh, the, the psalmist David says, Be still and know that I am God. There's an element of who God is that you will not intimately and deeply know until which time you learn to be still. And let me say this, sometimes that means slowing things down in your life for a season. Can, can, I, can I be honest with you? Um, the Lord's about to bless us with another baby, and I'm thankful for that. And my wife is continuing to remind me of, you know, you can't preach 10 times away from the house whenever, you can't leave 10 times in the year whenever we got this baby. I'm like, I know, baby, I know. And then I sit down and think about it, I'm like, it's going to slow down. Yes. Yes. And I need that. And God's timing is perfect. Yes. Amen. Amen. Listen, what, what I'm getting at is this, is that a, as a believer, as a believer, you need to learn to stand still. Now, I spend most of time, my, my time talking to you, but if you're here and you're not sure what it means to be born again, you've never been saved. Can I, can I give you a little bit of an insight? Let, like, let's dive into a personal conversation between two guys that took place about 2,000 years ago. Here's this man, Philip, and he's talking to this Ethiopian man about Jesus Christ because this man has the scriptures in his hand, but he can't understand what he's reading. Anybody here that is saved now, remember how it was before you were saved? You pick up the Bible and you'd read it and you go, it makes no sense to me. I don't get anything out of it. Then you get saved and you come to church and you're like, man, I love this book, Amen. It's it's a pretty amazing transformational experience. Here's this man that's reading the scriptures and doesn't understand it. And Philip is trying to explain it to him. And as Philip does that, the Bible says in verse 35 that he preached unto him Jesus. So the man's response is this in verse 36. In so many words, I know there's something that I must do. Now that you've given me this message, should I get baptized? That's what he asks. Now look at verse 37. Verse 37. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when he did that, notice what happens in verse 38. He commanded the chariot to what? You know what that standing still represents in that passage? There's a next step. Now listen, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you know what the next step is? Trust him as your Savior. You don't want to have that nagging doubt in the back of your mind. Am I saved? Am I lost? Do I know if I I die today, where would I go? Uh, 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 Are my sins truly forgiven in the sight of God? Does God love me as his child? I, I hope so. I think so. There is nothing like the assurance that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. But let me also say this. If you're saved, there's a next step for you. And it isn't getting saved again. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this much. There's a next step for you. And it does not involve going back. And it does not involve inaction for the rest of your life. And it does not involve associating with the old life. You know what it involves? It involves you saying, you know what, God? I'm going to watch you fight. You know what, God? I'm going to watch you give direction. You know what, Lord? I'm going to watch you do something that no one else has ever done before. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pave the way for others. And again, if you're here without Jesus Christ, can I encourage you, take that step, stand still and see the salvation of Lord. Before you leave this place, stop and ask yourself, do I know Jesus Christ is my savior? And if I don't, Lord, would you save me today? The greatest step you could ever take in your life is that one right there. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I I pray as we come to the end of our, sur- our service, God, that you would move and, Lord, that we would learn to be still. And rather than just rushing out of here and rushing on with life and rushing on to the events of the day, God, that maybe there might be a little bit of, of being still at this altar, maybe a, a little bit of stillness of hearts. God, that, that rather than just carrying on with all the activity, Lord, that you would help us to be still just a little bit longer. God, I, I pray if there's a believer here that's struggling, God, would you help them? If they need some direction, would you give it to them? Would you help not to make a decision in the flesh and just rush into something that, that isn't necessary, that isn't your direction, that isn't your will? God, if someone stumbled across something they'd never faced before, would you help them as a believer to slow down and hear from you? God, would you remind all of us, there's someone watching us. And Lord, when we step into situations that we are unsure of, God, would you give us the faith to follow you and to remember, Lord, how we respond to that can affect countless lives behind us. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't saved, God, that today before they leave this place, they'd make that decision. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hopefully I've stressed this enough, but if not, we're not in a rush. Time, everything, the world will rush on and everything else that you have to get to, we're, we're all gonna get to that. Let me let me be transparent for those who don't know me as well. Being a Father of five, soon to be six children, running a company and pastoring a church. I know a little bit about being busy. And I would tell you right now, if you're not careful, you'll burn out. And if you're not careful, you'll make decisions out of being hasty when you need to slow down and just listen to the Lord. I encourage you to do that today. I, I don't know. I re- someone asked me one time, do you know what, what how to preach on what subject? I just try to follow what the Lord says. I don't know what you're facing. But I'll take for granted if God has me preach this message, maybe there's some things in your life that you need to slow down in. Maybe God's trying to get you to go, hey, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. It doesn't look good, but I trust you. Lord, I can't fight this. I don't know how to fight this. I don't even know what to do. But Lord, I'm not gonna go back. That is not gonna work. I'm gonna stand still. I'm gonna watch you fight. I'm gonna watch you work. I'm gonna watch you move. If you're here and you know without a shadow of a doubt, every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you know that you're saved. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Amen. <laughs> aren't you glad that when your head hits your pillow at night, you're not worried about eternity, you're not worried about your sin, not worried about it's just thankful to have that assurance, that that joy, that peace. man it changes everything. It changes your relationships. Changes your outlook on what matters in life. It changes everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just ask this question. If you're here and you're not sure that you're saved, w- would you be open and honest enough with the Lord? Whether you slip up your hand or simply look in my direction and go, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't. Or, you know what? I know I'm not saved. I'd like to be saved. I don't know the hearts in here. Maybe everybody is saved. That'd be great. But if not, it would be remiss on my part to, to not at least give you an opportunity to get saved. Greatest decision of my life. I'll never forget. I was at a summer camp at an altar with my preacher, my pastor. Never been the same since. Now, listen, since that time, a lot of things have come up in my life. Where I've had to go, am I going to turn back or am I going to go forward? And and I'll be honest with you, I've made the mistake of turning back at some times. I have. And I can tell you this, I've regretted it every single time. There's nothing like just going, okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to stand still. And I'm going to watch your direction. I'm going to move forward for you. My soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art! Great thou art. I didn't sing it, but there's a great song. It says this The Father has a plan, though it's hard to see it now. You feel like you're walking all alone, but He is there, no doubt. When the storm around you rages and you're tossed to and fro, when you're faced with life decisions not sure which way to go, stand still and let God move. Standing still is hard to do. When you feel you've reached the end, He'll make a way for you. Stand still and let God move. I pray you do that this week. Let's watch God work this week. Amen. And uh, we hope to see you back here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll have dis- Disciples Bible Club for the kids. Pray for Brother Craig to get better and the kids that are under the weather to get better. Right, Miss Juanita? Right? And uh, uh, we'll hopefully see you there at 7 o'clock for that. And Also, our midweek Bible study. We're continuing our series on music. Uh, where does it come from? What does the say about it? So encourage you to be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock for that. Oh, and Youth Group has their uh, Sunday school um, class, excuse me, midweek Bible class 6 o'clock, I still call it Sunday school, 6 o'clock Wednesday nights, young people, come on and bring a friend. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Uh, And again, please, on your way out, uh, please feel free to grab some of those invites for next Sunday. And if you are visiting, we want you to know we'd love to have you be a part of our festivities next week. Uh, After the morning service, of course, uh, we will be going out to our property in Bennett and having a chili cook-off. Look, if you're visiting, um, we don't need you to bring food. We just want you to come. Uh, teenagers will have volleyball going on and all kinds of stuff, uh, hay rides, horse rides, chili cook-off, dessert cook-off, good fellowship, good testimonies. You don't want to miss it. How many of you guys have gone before? All right. You want to go again? Amen. All right. All right. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it next Sunday. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's close out with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll see a Lord willing, Wednesday night. Brother Eric Alcorn, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. Sure.